Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Adam Russell on the show. What I really like about Adam is that his LinkedIn profile sets up very nicely to just read as his intro. Adam is a senior IT audit associate with Shellman, and they're based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Prior to joining Shellman in June, Adam worked as a senior internal auditor at a large credit union where he specialized in compliance and IT auditing. Fits nicely into his role at Shellman now. Uh, and prior to working at the credit union, he spent about three years at a large national CPA firm performing financial statement and federal government expenditure audits. Give a little bit more of uh, Adam's background and kind of what he's doing right now relative to Shellman. Uh, they're a leading provider of attestation and compliance services. They are a globally licensed PCI qualified security access assessor, an ISO certification body, iTrust CSF assessor, and a FedRAMP 3PAO. I came across Adam when I saw an audit board article, which we have linked in the show notes about how to start doing analytics in a small internal audit department. And so we, again, link that in the show notes and we go into some more detail about that uh, where Adam gives specific a specific example of what he did. But in addition to that, um, we also talk about just resources for learning. There's so many available to internal auditors. What are some of the ones that Adam looks for? Um, how to make best use of those uh, resources? Um, and where did Adam focus some of his learning initiatives early in his career? Uh, and then we also talk about there's so much change that's going on within all organizations. Like how do you keep up with what's going on? Um, and how can we adapt to those changes? And then a, a question that we've started to ask somewhat recently, I think it's just a good, I don't know, something maybe even daydream about, but as a way almost to think strategically, what would I do? You know, if I had all the resources in the world, I've had an unlimited budget and I started an audit department, what would I do with that? And so I think it's kind of a good thought exercise to think about maybe even uh, where you would want your audit department to be in whatever three to five years or however you kind of scope out your strategy. There's also two other links in the show notes. One is Excel is fun. That was Adam's go-to source for learning Excel when he was teaching himself analytics. And the other one is a newsletter called Risky Biz. And that's all the cybersecurity news, uh, tech news, things like that that helps Adam stay on top of uh, his game. With that said, here we go. What resources for learning are available to auditors and how can we make the best use of them? The best use of them, because there are so many and we have to look at any given aspect of the business. What, what do you recommend there? So that's really gonna depend on the industry you're in and that's kind of the overwhelming part is there is so much stuff out there for me in particular, at my current role, we rely very heavily on ISACA. Um, just they have a really good content profile with tons of stuff out there that you can really learn about. But then we also will look at things in the NIST category. We'll look at um, 
just all sorts of different resources. It kind of depends on the framework the client's on, but it's one of those areas where once you work in an industry, especially in internal, you kind of learn those resources that are going to be most helpful for you, but it's really just making sure you take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. When I was at the credit union, we used something called CUNA, the Credit Union National Association. They put out tens of really good content, and it'd be very interesting to me when I would go and talk to stakeholders. They would be familiar but they wouldn't necessarily be using any of their content, even though the credit union is paying for it. So it's just one of those areas where that's where you can actually bring a lot of value to your stakeholders. It's just like, hey, I don't just know this stuff. This is where I'm pulling some of the information on some of those questions I'm asking you from, and you should probably go and sign up for their newsletter or email blast, whatever it is. So it just kind of depends on the industry you're in, but kind of the generic ones that I think everyone should be taking advantage of, whether you're external or internal, would be the AICPA, ISACA, and IIA. They are the biggest ones in this industry, but they do put out a lot of really good content, and I just think they're, frankly, underutilized for as good of the content as it is. Yeah, I think the industry-specific organizations, are that's a really good idea. So, like, whatever industry you're in, if you're like, I don't even know if this thing exists, it probably does. So just whatever your industry is, plus internal audit association, there's probably something out there. There's ACUA if you're in higher education. Uh, yep. I know there's one just for airport auditors. I think it's the AAIA. Um, and so if airport auditors have their own association, there's a very good chance that whatever organization or, or um, uh, segmentation you're in probably has one too. Oh, yeah. And actually in the credit union space, which is where I was in internal audit, there was the ACUIA, the Association of Credit Union Internal Auditors. Candidly, their website is a little janky, not to knock on them, but their content was great. And that was kind of the aspect we really um, appreciated, but we would go and use their stuff all the time as well. And I have a friend who is at a university as a senior internal auditor, same thing. She was like, you know, maybe it's not as slick as a lot of other organizations, but they do have some really good content and just sample audit programs are just some sort of magazine that really highlights some of the risks in that area that's always good to go and check out so i think that's a great point to make yeah and a lot of those organizations don't exactly have massive budgets to bring in some huge fancy web designer and so it's usually a volunteer that's like yeah you know i'd spend a couple hours figuring out how to do this the information's there it might not look great uh but it's out there so i think that's a good point so as the the learner that you are which is uh, a trait that is a favorite of mine of people when I've taken uh, like skills assessments or uh, strength finders, if, if anyone's ever taken strength finders, it's free. You can do it. It takes like 20 minutes. It's uh, very interesting, the results. I've taken it twice over the past uh, 10 years, and both times my number one was um, learner, or is in my top three learner. Like I just like to learn stuff, uh, and you seem very similar in that you just like take on these initiatives and you learn different things. So. Relative to your learning initiatives, where was your where has your focus been in the past, and maybe what what's a learning initiative for you looking forward? Yeah, I took Strength Finders years ago, but I do remember learning one of my I don't think it was my number one, but kind of like you, it was in one of those upper categories. It's kind of dependent on where my career has been. I started at a very traditional CPA firm doing financial statement auditing, and there was just more learning about, you know, the nuts and bolts of auditing. But especially as I moved into my internal role, where I had a little bit more flexibility because our engagements were different, I did take the opportunity to really focus on building up my data analytics skills because that's one area that 
we've touched on a couple of times as being very prevalent in the industry, but a lot of times people overcomplicate it or they don't even really know what it means. They don't know how to roll it out. But when I had the opportunity to really figure out ways to streamline our processes and our testing, that's where I chose to go and focus my time and effort. And there's tons of really good content out there of how to get started with that. I honestly just went to YouTube and popped in Excel data analytics and mm -hmm. I got all sorts of videos. And yeah, I was very lucky to work at an organization where we had the opportunity and actually the expectation that we were going to expand on our skill set on our own by having an hour a week that we could just block off on our calendar. But the expectation was you're going to go do something with that hour. And really, you build that up over 10, 12, 20 weeks. You really can start to build up a really good skill set and then roll that out in your actual audit practice. So that's where I spent a lot of my time. During that time, I used a particular channel called Excel is Fun. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, yeah. but uh, the guy by the name, I think his name is Mike, then I believe, but I would have to look that up. He has some really good content and it's great because it actually has uh, files that you can practice a lot of those skills on. And then when I would run into a similar problem in an audit or I was just trying to do something, I would go and even look if there was a, you know, 15 minute video about how he could teach me how to do some quick thing with either a pivot table yeah. or some sort of comparison. And that's really just what I started to do. Uh, a lot of my learning initiatives was just YouTube and building up those skills and then really trying to apply them in areas where I could find some efficiencies. Yeah. Someone asked me about how to get into analytics and I said, Google and YouTube. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, the answers are out there. You just got to find them. I know. It seems like such an easy answer to give and it can kind of seem dismissive when you're just like, we'll just Google it. But that really is what you just kind of have to do. I think a lot of times people want like, oh, this is the perfect package that's going to be handed to me that answers my exact question right now. And unless it's a super general thing that's probably not going to happen it's rare you're able to google this is exactly what i'm trying to do you kind of have to like learn how to build around it's like all right this is something similar and then take those skills and apply it to whatever it is you're doing at that time yeah and i'm not hating on the people that don't think to google because i find myself doing that too with just um it could be anything so i have three huge oak trees on my uh property and property's not huge at all and these oak trees are like 100 plus years old. So there's a lot of leaves on the ground. And I spent a lot of time on those. And I was eventually, after doing it for two years, I was like, I bet somebody's come up with a better way than just using a rake, you know, and bending over to pick these leaves up. And so I spent like 30 minutes watching YouTube videos, uh, like how to efficiently rake leaves or how to efficiently get rid of leaves or something. And I watched it and I was like, why didn't that do that two years ago? Like that should be the first thing. Go Google the thing that you want to be better at almost. Oh yeah, I do it all the time. Like I'm a recent homeowner. Whenever I need to fix anything or I just want to do it, I go watch two or three videos on YouTube and it saved me, I don't know how much money already just because most things aren't that complicated. You just have to take the initiative and go see if it is uh, out there because almost certainly someone's already done it. Yeah, uh, and done it really bad and learned lessons from it that then we can learn from how like the generations before us got anything done around their house i have no blows idea. my mind like what how did you would you read a book how did you figure this out without going directly to youtube to figure out how to replace the heating element in your hot water heater i was super yep. proud of that when i did that one i was super proud of that what was the payoff uh for you maybe professionally uh, as well as the org like do you you learned uh some analytics capabilities is there like a project that you could speak at 
to a high level and, and what the payoff there was and maybe even for you even if it's just like uh, I felt more confident in doing this or I've leveraged those skills uh, since then or just give us a little bit more yeah absolutely actually I just got to do something today that I learned during that process uh, a lot of times we get data sets and file types that maybe aren't the most usable for example like a text file that's sometimes just the way systems still export I'm not quite yeah. sure why those limitations still exist but I'll just speak specifically to the credit union. We actually did something called employee account monitoring, which is just a big project that we had to do to validate certain transactions. And at the beginning, it was a very labor-intensive process in the sense that it was just a lot of pulling reports down, doing some formatting, X, Y, Z. It took us about 10 to 15 hours a month total. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, it had to be done, it wasn't super fun. And a lot of those, really the actual analysis piece was maybe two hours of that. And the rest of it was just getting these files in the format we needed. So as I picked up these analytical skills, I became a lot more familiar with Power Query, which is just an aspect of Excel that's built in. You don't pay extra for it, it just comes with it. And I was actually able to basically build these scripts in Power Query, which is the whole idea for them to be repeatable processes. And we were able to pull down all these different reports, build out those queries. And instead of taking us 10 to 15 hours a month, it got us down to about three to four hours a month. Mm -hmm. So we were able to save 150 hours a year just in that one project, which was used to add an additional audit for our audit plan. And that was just one example. We also used it to, uh, Power Query is very similar to Power BI, which is another Microsoft product. Actually, the interface is exactly the same. So once I started to build up those skills, I was like, okay, everyone loves a dashboard. Um, they don't even have to meet anything I think half the time, but people yeah. just love the dashboard. That's Hopefully true. they do have some meaning, but we had a lot of, once again, really labor intensive reporting requirements for our audit risk committee meeting. And I was able to take those skills and instead of building out these reports that, you know, we have to pull down, create every single month, copy and paste the data into uh, PowerPoint in a couple different areas. We're actually able to just build up a dashboard that interfaced directly with our audit software, it was audit board. Um, and that actually created the dashboard that instead of having to do all that work, my boss, Elizabeth, was actually just able to go in, take a quick snapshot, and all that data was already there in the yeah, exact yeah. format that we wanted. So same thing, it saved her probably three to four hours a month times 12 months, that starts to build up. So those were just two specific examples. But just through those skills today, I was able to get a file from one of my clients that normally before I would have had to kick back them and say, hey, can you give this me in a different format? I threw it in Power Query. I cleaned it up in about 10 minutes and I was able to turn the sample selections around. So it's one of those things where it's a lot of effort and time to get on the front end, but the hours you actually save on the back end more than make up for it. and. Yeah really just keep things moving along really smoothly. Yeah. If anyone's listened to the show before uh, and they know that I work with internal auditors and analytics, they'll know that I fully support everything that you just said, even down to the tool selection. Those are great tools. Um, so two thumbs up for me. That's uh, fantastic. Adam. And that's actually kind of how I came across you. Uh, I think it was a, an article from Audit Board where you're talking about developing the analytics skills that you did and how you applied them. Um, and I went, oh yeah, we should probably have that guy on. So. Uh, for those that are interested, there is, um, there'll be a link in the show notes to that article. And if I'm recall, it's been a while since I've read that, but I think you give a pretty clear path on how to develop the analytic analytics, right? Okay. Yep. I mean, it's very high level. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause that's kind of 
I worked at the credit union for about two years. And this was stuff that I built up over that two years. Yeah. This wasn't a two week project where I went from, oh, I'm pretty good in Excel, but I don't know exactly what I'm doing as far as analytics go to building a dashboard at Power BI. It was definitely a process, but one of those things, like all things, once you start to build on it, it just gets better and better and you get quicker at learning those things mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. It is uh, iterative in a sense. You're just not going to go, hey, here's the dashboard, Doug. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay. Uh, changing the topic a little bit, the changes that are happening in organizations, how they're happening faster than ever. Um, I think a lot of that is driven by uh, being able to make decisions with data and then obviously everything else that's just going on politically in the world, socially in the world, um, cyber, et cetera, all that kind of good stuff. What can auditors do to address these like rapid changes? I would just say reading more of the news, which is not something I generally uh, advocate for anyone's mental health. But <laughs> yeah. You can find some sources that maybe are more specific to your industry. I actually subscribe to a newsletter called Risky Business, which is more focused on the tech world. But I just get a newsletter uh, sent to my email every morning. I usually scan it, you know while I'm sipping my coffee to see if there's any particular articles that really stick out to me. But just making sure you're doing that because that's going to be where you're getting a lot of information. And then taking that information and talking to your stakeholders about it is going to be very important as well to hear what they're hearing about. So rather than them bringing it to your attention, it can just be a simple note of saying, mm -hmm. hey, I know we're not doing audit with you, you know, IT group, but... If you weren't aware, this is something I ran across, and I would say 85% of the time, they probably have already heard of it. Yeah. But it just shows that you are paying attention and you're trying to let them know about things that you're aware of so you can bring some value to them outside of just your fancy auto report at the end of the day. Yeah, that's so good. And especially if you're in the, the some of those audit organizations we were talking about, ACUA, and, and you know those that are very specific to your industry or sector or whatever. Um, if you see something in there, that you can go, oh, this is a new like AP thing or like uh, thinking about ACUA, NCAA uh, infractions and all the stuff that's going on with NIL uh, for the college uh, sports fans. There's a lot of change going on there. And so it, it, groups like ACUA are pretty on top of it and they'll, you know, subscribe their newsletters, you get it. Just taking that link and passing it on to somebody and going, hey, not sure if you're aware of this, just wanted to pass it on. It doesn't mean we're going to come in and audit you to death or anything about it, but thought you might find it interesting. It's just, if nothing else, it's such a good relationship builder also. And it's super easy to do. And they go, oh, this is audit. Okay, they're not just like coming to crack down on me and tell me every little thing I did wrong. It seems like they're generally trying to to help us over here. So it's just, a to me, that's one of those like little bitty things you can do to build relationships with people that's super easy and doesn't take any time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can be as simple as, you said, sending out an article. But if they are running into a problem, especially if they know you're familiar with it, if they approach you outside of the audit space, obviously you always have to consider your independence, but if you can help them, if it takes like, when I built up these analytical skills, I would have different departments approach me and say, hey, I know you're good at this. Can you help us? Yeah. I would take the two hours, whatever, if I had it and just build something for them or set up a meeting with them and show them, hey, this is how I found whatever issue it was. If it wasn't an audit, I'm not trying to hide it from you. Here, take this workbook that I basically built if it's one of my work papers and give it to them and say, run this once a month to see mm -hmm. if you can find your own exceptions, whatever it might be. I think a lot of times audit departments are so careful about kind of breaching that wall, which we should be, but especially if the audit's concluded and they're asking you questions, it's not 
always beneficial to hold it so close to the chat. Uh, sure. Hold your card so close to the vest. It's better to be honest. Be like, here's how I found it. Here's how I'd encourage you to address these issues in the future, or just help them out with something completely unrelated to an audit and say, yeah, I have an hour. Let me fix this file for you because you know I'm good at data cleanup. And here you go. Because at the end of the day, that's just going to make them like you more and make them more willing to work with you. Yeah. I asked a internal audit thought leader, not they're not like a data person or necessarily like a tech person, um, but just someone that really knows the guts of what we do um, and is strategic in how they think about it at a high level also. And I just asked them, because sometimes we do get these conversations with analytics when we're doing analytics and it's, um, you know, if we hand this, this tool over that we built or this macro or this power query script to management, that's going to, we, we can't do that. That's going to, you know, uh, mess with our independence. So we can't do that. And so it's, a, and some CAEs are like, dude, I don't care. Just like, yeah, give it to them. And some are like, no, we, we absolutely cannot do that. So everybody has their own perspective. But I asked, I asked this person, I was like, what's your perspective on that? And he was like, think about it like this. If you went to the audit committee and said, hey, we built this thing, it's going to save them 25 hours uh, a month or whatever it is, or they're going to be able to identify this risk quicker, whatever it is, whatever the value of that's going to be. And he goes, and you take that to the audit committee, you go, we have this thing, this is the value it adds, um, but we have this independent thing. Do you really think the audit committee is going to go, okay, you know, like, oh, well, you can't do that. You know, his, his whole thing was, does it add value? All right, you can work around independence and objectivity and stuff, you know, uh, in terms of that. So that was a recent conversation, so a bit of a rant of mine that I wanted to hit on. Uh, thanks, thanks for letting me do that, Adam. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that is like where, like I said, you have to be very careful about independence, but especially if it's not that you can design and build the control, but mm-hmm. some of it was just as simple as, hey, like I said, we have that employee account monitoring. If you're building a script in Power Query to clean up a data set that they can then use that script later on, I don't really think that's taking on a management function. That's it just saving them the time. And I, candidly, it's going to save you time later on if you come in a year later to redo that audit for whatever reason, if they're able to do some of that yeah. to correct their own issues. It's just going to save you time of the long That's a good point. All right. Let's, that's uh, maybe a fun question, something to make people think and maybe even daydream about if you were the CAE of an audit department and you came in and you had a nice staff already built out and everything. And they said, Hey, you have unlimited budget, go buy tools, go hire whoever for whatever, do whatever you want to, what would that look like? So for me specifically, I actually think generalists are better than special. I shouldn't say better than specialists. That makes it sound bad, but generalists are great. And I would consider myself to be a generalist just based on the way my career has gone. Um, if you specify or specialize in a specific industry or with a specific tool, you can get really good at that specific industry or tool. But as soon as you start to run into things outside of that, you're maybe not as adaptable to that new situation. So if it was up to me, and I could just build my own department, be make sure that you do have obviously a broad base of knowledge on your team, but making sure that you don't have one single point of failure. It's kind of the same idea of a control. Mm-hmm. It's great to have someone on your team who's really good at data analytics, but if you only have one person who's capable of doing it and they're out or they quit or anything, you can really take a huge step back. So it would be making sure that you're not just pigeonholing people into a specific part of your team because 
that does kind of create it, especially on a small team where, you know, oh, they're the person that knows everything about compliance. Well, if they leave, well, then you have to then spend the time to relearn or reteach the whole team anyway. So just making sure that you're not putting people into a box, be like, you're the compliance auditor, you're the IT auditor, you're the data analytics person, and making sure that everyone gets a broad base of knowledge. And some of that comes down to what are people interested in? Obviously, you can't make someone be interested to learn a specific area, but at least making them have a base level of knowledge in order to be a member of the team, I think would be very valuable. As far as like specific tools, I've worked with so many and all of them have their pros and cons. Um, I think just for a generic tool, really just making your team get really good at Excel would be my one. Very generic, but I think underutilized tool because it amazes me how I run into people who have been, you know, in the industry for five, 10, 15 years, and they're still just not using it to, it's really powerful capabilities anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like 2002 when it, I think that's like when VLOOKUP ran out, yeah. or rolled out. It's a very, very different tool at this point. Uh, if the listener should do one thing to make a difference within their internal audit department or their company after listening to your episode, what would it be? I would say start talking to people outside of your audit period. And in fact, talk to groups that maybe based on your risk assessment or whatever, you may never audit ever. Um, that's kind of my big takeaway from my time at the credit union. My old boss, Elizabeth McDowell, who's fantastic, really championed that, that, you know what, maybe you're not always going to get a lot of information out of those meetings, but once they start to realize you're not scary, and if you're only showing up during the audit, you seem scary, that's really where you're going to get a lot of that value. So we made an effort to meet with every single department once a quarter or even just once a year, just to check with them and say, hey, how are you doing? Just wanted to introduce myself. Here's what we do. So they really got a better understanding of who we were as well. But then oftentimes, once they started to realize what kind of projects you were working on, they maybe had pieces of information that, you know, would be helpful in your risk assessment process because they're talking to people in a different way. People are always going to be a little bit more guarded when they're talking to audit, I think, yeah. than other groups. But especially if it's not their area, they might be like, oh, yeah, I was on this roundtable and this specific topic came up. And that just gives you a better insight into it. But then also it just makes them want to work with you more because if you're only showing up when you're going to be there to bother them and frankly make them do a bunch of work pulling together evidence for whatever it is you're asking, they're less likely to want to work with you. But if you're just talking to them and then bringing solutions to problems that they're just talking about outside of the audit, it's going to make them like you better and therefore work with you more often. So... I would say just talking to people more often. And I think in this remote environment, that's definitely a bit more challenging, um, especially if your company is fully remote. But starting to just set up 30-minute coffee chats or whatever, which I don't think is a super unique like recommendation, but I still think people don't use it as much as they should. And it doesn't have to be with every single person every single week. Obviously, you have stuff that you need to get done. But you know, if there are key people across the organization... Ask if, you know, hey, can we have 30 minutes once a quarter just kind of chat, catch up? And it doesn't have to be work specific. And even honestly, have a lot more of that personal aspect. How are your kids doing? What vacations do you have coming up? Whatever it is, that's really going to kind of break down those walls and make the whole process more streamlined. 
Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.